Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 3, Episode 13, Witch Hunt. The original air date for this episode was March 16th, 2014. The writer of this episode was Jane Espenson, and it was directed by Guy Furland. The title card of this episode is the Wicked Witch Flying on Her Broomstick, and it looks ridiculous. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we begin in the Enchanted Forest of a year ago. As the Wicked Witch of the West admires the various luxuries and treasures in the Evil Queen's palace, she remarks what a shame it is that all these beautiful things were wasted on Regina. She then puts on one of the Queen's dresses and sends out one of her flying monkeys to find Regina and let her know that I am here. Anytime something begins with monkeys, I already feel like we're off to a bad start. <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate the continuity of Zelina actually wearing a dress we've seen Regina wear before. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's actually a beautiful Regina dress. How dare. Uh, how dare. Monkeys. How dare. And how dare monkey. How dare monkey. How dare there be so many monkeys in this part of the season. <laughs> so that's just, that's going to be my subtitle for this is part B or whatever the hell they call this. Too many flying Too monkeys. many monkeys. Too many goddamn monkeys on this goddamn season. Okay, here we go. Outside the castle, Snow White, Prince Charming, and company continue on their journey to Sherwood Forest. Red Riding Hood approaches Snow, reminiscing about old times when they were on the run from Regina. Red! I missed Ruby so much, and I'm I'm so very glad she's here. I'm so, so glad to see Megan Ori. I don't know if it picked up on the audio, but apparently Merlin's glad too, because she just Merlin started screaming her head off a second ago. Loved Ruby. Well, I think <laughs> we decided when we did that, like, cat quiz that Merlin's favorite character would be Ruby because Ruby would beat her. Yeah, I think we did decide <laughs> I that. I think we did, yeah. <laughs> Red comments on how unusual it feels to now be on the same side as Regina. Snow tells her she has to believe Regina has changed for the better. Red tells her friend she hopes so, but also notes that Regina does not seem well. Snow approaches Regina and notices she is thinking about Henry. Regina replies that she is always thinking about Henry, but her mind was also on the palace. She explains to Snow and Charming that there is a system of tunnels that run underneath the castle and possibly beneath the protection spell encircling the edifice. Regina explains she intends to use the tunnels to get herself inside to lower the shield, allowing Snow and Charming to send in their army and drive out the unknown person who has taken up residence in the castle. Suddenly, the flying monkey sent by the Wicked Witch attacks because of course it fucking dugs. <laughs> it swoops in the direction of Neil, but he manages to duck just in time. The creature then flies in the direction of Robin Hood's young son, Roland, presently standing a few feet in front of the queen. She swoops the boy out of harm's way before turning the flying monkey into a stuffed animal, which she gifts to Roland. Regina, that was honestly very smooth. Like, no wonder Robin is sort of like, oh, I would love. I still <laughs> wish she was Tom Ellis. <laughs> uh, now we're watching, like, imagining that it's Tom Ellis because I know we love him all so much, but... I, I do like Sean McGuire. I do. He's, he's fine. He's soft. I like he's, that. He's fine. <laughs> now that I think about it, though, what if it was Lana Parilla or Paria? Is it Parilla? Does she pronounce it with the L's? I always thought it was Paria. 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 Right. Lana Paria as the the main love interest on Lucifer. I forget that lady's name. Chelsea 
Stacy, Heather, <laughs> Chloe, Donna, Chloe. I knew it was a C. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm like would, imagining Lana instead. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm into that. Yeah. I like that. Okay. I like that. <laughs> it's like, okay, but once more, but with this actress instead. <laughs> <laughs> a year later in Storybrooke, David, Emma, Hook, and Mary Margaret are gathered at Granny's B&B. Henry is asleep upstairs. And the lie they will tell him is that Mary Margaret and David are helping Emma with her case. She then asks her parents what has happened. They reply they have no idea either. They recall watching her drive over the town line with Henry, Regina beginning to cast her spell to stop Pan's curse, and then blacking out. The next thing they can remember is waking up as if it were any other morning in Storybrooke. Their only clue that time has passed is the fact that Mary Margaret is several months pregnant. Hook also chooses this moment to make some really tacky comment about how sad it is that they can't remember the boinking that led to her getting pregnant and i just wanted to push him out a window like my dude just because you can say something doesn't mean you should i know i was like sir stop no back yeah he really stuck his hook in his mouth there eh 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 i mean if he had he would have stopped talking so no Emma knows a year has passed because she recalls her time in New York City. David wonders if they even left Storybrooke at all, but Hook recalls that Regina's spell did return them to the Enchanted Forest, and they spent a brief period of time with Prince Philip and Princess Aurora. He recalls that he left the group shortly afterward as they were preparing to make their way to Regina's old palace. Emma's suspicions are turned towards Regina, but Snow's instinct informs her differently. David asks him how he knew to find Emma if he left before the curse, to which he explains that a bird came, which he figured they must have sent. Tied to its leg was a small vial of memory potion and a note telling him of the second cursed and directing him to retrieve Emma. Snow's Bird 101 came in handy. She Woo-hoo. knew it would. She worked real hard at all that bird studies. Mm-hmm. Need to pull it out every so often. Shortly after, Leroy and Happy enter, telling the present company that three dwarves have disappeared. Mary Margaret explains that people have begun disappearing since they woke up. With all the confusion, they still do not know who is missing, and Emma worries over a still-missing Neil. Hook assures her he will turn up sooner or later, as he always does. Emma realizes there's only one way to figure this out. They need to get their memories back and figure out who took them to begin with. Back in the Enchanted Forest, the group discusses the attack. Snow identifies it as the same beast that attacked her and Regina on their way here. Grumpy states that it strongly resembled a monkey, and Belle shares knowledge of it being a flying monkey native to the land of Oz. I think it's really interesting that they have all the Enchanted Forest residents here. They've now returned to the land of magic with this pop culture knowledge. As the many folks in then after that chime in with like some book facts, movie facts, or what they know about, you know, the whole Oz situation from media. Yeah, it's pretty darn cute. I liked it. From this, Regina figures the Wicked Witch must be the one who has overtaken the castle. Charming asks Regina what the Wicked Witch has against her. She replies she has no idea, as she has never met her. Charming then announces to the group that they will stick to their plan. Regina will get the shield down, and they will arm up an attack. Snow wishes to accompany Regina, but she insists this is a one-woman job. In Storybrooke at Granny's Diner, Ruby serves Henry a hot cocoa with cinnamon, with a clumsy act pretending she doesn't know him. When he asks her how she could know about his love for cinnamon on Coco, Ruby creates a flimsy excuse that it was a lucky guess. David and Mary Margaret enter, and Emma introduces them to Henry as old friends of hers. When Henry questions how they know each other, Mary Margaret makes the mistake of saying they met in Phoenix. 
This confuses Henry because he thought Emma was only in Phoenix for the time she spent in jail. Mary Margaret invents a story that she was Emma's cellmate. A jailbird. Ha <laughs> ha. Get it? Because she likes birds. <laughs> I love it. She, she was like, my crime was banditing. I thought she said banditry. What, did she say banditing? Either way, it was Either- kind of lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also the truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was but- bandit. She was bandit snow. She was bandit. She was bandit. <laughs> <laughs> she was a bandit. Also, I love that David is just like so damn charmed by Snow just being like, I'm a hardened criminal. Grr. <laughs> it was really. He just has the most really like cute. dopey, like, oh, I love my wife look on his face. It's That's very adorable. Yeah. It was really cute. It was a really cute scene. I like this one. Mm-hmm. Across the diner, Regina spots Henry, and the shock of seeing him causes her to drop her food. He stares back blankly, then shrugs it off. Emma walks up to Regina and explains that Hook found her and gave her a potion to jog her memory, but that there was not enough for Henry. Regina then states she did not cast a new curse. Emma admits the thought did cross her mind, thinking it may have been a way of bringing Henry back. Regina counterclaims if she had done so, it would not add up, since Henry has no memory of her. Emma understands, but she needs to start ruling people out. Oh my gosh, Lana is so good in this scene. Mm-hmm. She killed me. Near the town line... Robin Hood and the Merry Men are admiring a crossbow Little John has recently acquired. By acquired, we mean stole. He attempts, <laughs> he attempts to use it to shoot a turkey, but misses. To the most nonchalant, gives no fucks turkey. Where he's just, you know, dumb and oblivious. I mean, turkeys are notoriously stupid, so I'm going with that second one. Yeah. Determined to hit it, Little John chases the turkey and comes very close to the town border, where a flying monkey snatches him away. Because... Christ, because Christ. (laughs) I forgot about this whole plot. And so when it happened, I was just like, boom. The fucking goddamn prevalence of so many fucking monkeys. (laughs) It's too many monkeys. Too many monkeys. No more monkeys flying in my show. (laughs) Later, David, Hook, and Emma arrive on the scene. Emma figures Little John was abducted for attempting to cross the town line. When asked by David, Robin states he did not get a good look at what took John, but he describes some kind of monster with wings. Emma compares this description to the monster she fought in New York. She then asks David and Hook to run a search grid to find the missing man. I loved Charming's surprise of, you're going to marry someone? So much. She was like, no, my daughter, don't get married without me. I have to walk you down the aisle. What about the father-daughter dance? He looked so sad. He was so bummed at the idea she was going to get married without him knowing. He was just like, but I'm your dad. Yeah, his expression of an emotionally wounded golden retriever really did get me in the feels. It was such a little cute and sad little David Mm -hmm. moment. I loved it. He's adorable. Mm -hmm. When inquired about why she isn't joining, Emma explains that Regina is right and she cannot go around asking people about the new curse one by one. Instead, she intends to talk to everyone at once. At the town hall, Emma tries to keep various citizens, among them Archie, yay, <laughs> Belle, Dr. Whale, Granny, and Leroy, calm. I'm so excited to see Archie again. Less excited to see Whale, but the part of me that likes continuity and just likes everyone being there is still glad Whale is here, even though he is a garbage person. I feel like Whale is the kind of dick bitch who would put a lampshade on his head at a party and be like, now we're having a real whale of a time. Hey. <laughs> and then somebody clears their throat and says, sir, 
this is a briss. Get out. This was a non sequitur, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I really want that. Like, like I don't know how we got here, but I enjoyed I this. Really like his mental this image. This just popped into my head. <laughs> I mean, he's lame as hell, so I would not be surprised. <laughs> Emma explains that there is a reason to believe people are being taken when they approach the border, and she is trying to figure out who cast the second curse. At this, Leroy scoffs, believing there to be no need. He makes it clear that there is only one person who both knows how to use the curse and has ever done anything like this before, the evil queen. At this, all eyes in the room turn to Regina. She attempts to defend herself, but they refuse to believe her. She declares that if she's behind this, there is one thing that she would have right now, Henry. Emma states Regina is not going anywhere near him until she figures this out. This further upsets Regina as she and Emma already went through this and insists she is innocent, to which Emma states she is now wondering if that is true. At that, an angry Regina magically causes an earthquake in the hall and disappears in a cloud of violet smoke. Dr. Whale tells Emma not to let her get away because he can't do anything himself, apparently. (laughs) To which Emma states she won't. As Emma exits, the camera pans over to a woman donning a green necklace and smiling to herself. Shut up, Zelina. (laughs) She didn't say anything. (laughs) I said what I said. (laughs) All right, all right. Fair enough. (laughs) Her hair looked very pretty, though. Oh, no, her hair is beautiful. Her hair is beautiful. That's the one thing that I always focus on. I'm just like, damn, her hair is beautiful. I mean, listen, the actress is very pretty, and it's not her fault. We can separate the pretty actress from the role exactly and i know like i've seen just because we follow so many once upon a time stuff the actress looks like she's like really sweet with fans and is oh i'm sure in person she's a peach yeah so i'm just like oh she looks so nice which is so funny because she's such a mean character acting wow acting Acting. (laughs) in the enchanted forest regina continues her journey to her castle she uses her magic to remove a large boulder in her path But as she turns around to place it down, she finds Robin Hood standing behind her. She attempts to convince him to head back to the others, but he insists he must at least try to help her. He tells her that though the flying monkey from earlier was not after Roland, it still could have seriously hurt his son. Reluctantly, she lets him join her and warns him not to get in her way. He remarks that he wouldn't dream of it. Robin, you're lucky she doesn't kill you and try to adopt your son herself. She has tried that before. She's gonna bury you in the woods <laughs> no. with your camping gear and your beat up truck. And your 80s memorabilia and your love for Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> She's gonna bury you with your eight trucks. She does love to kill a sad dad. Yeah. It's a good Tuesday for Regina. <laughs> <laughs> we return to Storybrooke as Emma enters the mayor's office, where Regina is waiting for her as they were secretly in cahoots sexy okay calm down (laughs) (laughs) the two then proceed to try to figure out who really cast the curse emma hands regina the vial of memory potion asking if it's enough the mayor says no but it is enough to replicate emma wants to wake people up and figure out who sent everyone back there regina hopes to make henry remember her she then sighs and thanks emma the blonde asks what for regina saw how quick the town was to blame her emma believes the mayor didn't cast the curse Regina acknowledges that this wasn't easy for her. Emma knew Regina told the truth. Regina asks if she knew this despite how everything that had happened has put her next to Henry and throws around the hypothesis that this was some super complicated and genius plan of hers. Emma insists it wasn't, explaining that her superpower is not perfect, but she always knows when Regina is lying, and at this time she didn't do it. Even though you know I can't live without him, Regina says, to which Emma tells her, there you go, telling the truth again. 
they smile at each other. Gay. So gay. <laughs> I was. It's so gay. I love them teaming up so much. Like the Emma and Regina scenes in this episode are the best. Yeah. Honestly, their chemistry is insane in this episode. Yes. It really I is. too love it when they are batting for the same team. <laughs> <laughs> just gals being pals gals being pals they're on the better. case together on the case together i love them back in the tunnels of the enchanted forest during the missing year robin asks where they're headed the queen explains that a courtyard fire powers the wicked witch's protection spell the thief theorizes that they only have to put it out then to which regina responds that she has to put it out and robin needs to stay out of her way Approaching a trap, Regina stops and corrects the thief to step between the path of gray stones. His torchlight reveals the stepping stones set up a booby trap of jagged spears coming from the tunnel wall. The queen explains they're there to keep thieves like him out. He chuckles and explains that they aren't all bad. She says that might be so when one tells themselves they steal from the rich to give to the poor. Regina goes on to say that at least she owns her bad deeds. Robin claims to own his mistakes. He hoped she didn't let him come so that she could trap him, for his son Roland has already lost his mother. Well, then you should have stayed with the others, Regina taunts. I mean, my dude, she likes to kill dads and steal their kids, so (laughs) you're in trouble. They walk on. She asks what happened to Roland's mother, and he says he accidentally put her in harm's way during a job. He says that it was his fault and reiterates that he owns his mistakes. They make it to an entrance that leads to a spiral staircase. Regina, surprised, says that the door can't be open. Robin suggests that she left it unlocked. I hear chuckling. That's me. I'm just like, yeah, she left it unlocked and she left the oven on. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why she didn't just punch him. (laughs) I feel like I would have. Busy day casting the curse. She forgot to lock the door. I I feel like I would have if like some smart ass thief comes into my home and it's just like maybe you didn't lock the door and it kicked his ass Mm. (laughs) regina reveals that she sealed it with blood magic and is thus the only one who can open it clearly not the man tells her it appears that the wicked witch is formidable foe and then she throws him out a window because he's being a dipshit (laughs) (laughs) no more sad dads get out of here (laughs) she's like i tire of sad father figures yeet The two make their way to the entrance. He climbs the, back in the window. Yeah, he climbs back and goes, well, you've seen the last of me. <laughs> in the crypt, Robin asks who it was built for. The queen replies that it was built for her mother, adding, like Robin, she's lost plenty of loved ones. Except, you know, Regina's mom sucked. And some of those loved ones Regina put in the ground herself. Like most of them, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> How could Snow White have done this? Just say, Daddy knew what he was getting into. <laughs> Daddy would have wanted me to punch his heart out. <laughs> how how could Snow White do this? How could Snow White have done this? Robin asks if this includes a child. Regina asks what the thief knows about that. He reminds her that she grabbed Roland with the touch of a mother. So this line would have been so much better if it were the reflexes of a mother, not the touch, which yeah. sounds yeah. hard to grab. Bad touch, bad touch. Don't love yeah. it. 
it's that's that's another and then she threw him out the window I feel like. <laughs> climb back in again he's getting really tired because yeah, you can't exactly. keep a good man down i guess <laughs> yeah she it's like the uh kind of like the ronma one half like akane like yes, rope of yeah. just akane like, like constantly punching ronma yeah. and rama just like squirming on back every time like nothing happened <laughs> exactly regina confirms this and they look down Robin, knowing Henry wasn't on their trek, asks what happened to him. Regina clarifies that though Henry's alive, her son is lost to her forever. Robin changes the topic, saying that if the Wicked Witch is powerful enough to break blood magic, they should reconsider their plan. The Queen doesn't care how powerful this witch is. She has to go through with it. She keeps walking. In the present, Mary Margaret gasps at a passage in an old book. She makes conversation with Henry, who sits right across from her in Granny's diner playing a video game, about something called cradle cap, something babies get on their heads, a crusty, yellow, greasy, scaly skin rash. The book's actual usage of all those words surprises her. Henry says, that's gross, not showing much interest, (laughs) as he keeps playing his game. In an attempt to rebond with him, Mary Margaret puts her book down and tells him that they could pop in the library down the street and get him something. I know how much you love reading, she says, which makes him wonder how she knows that. Caught off guard, she tells him his mom said so. I is still on the video game. Henry says, that's cool. He gets up to go get his coat. Poor Mary Margaret. She's so sad he doesn't know her and isn't giving her the time of day. She's just like, well, I'm your grandma. Also, I'm pregnant and worried. Also, Regina's curse seemed to make this child very indifferent. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he was so invested in everyone's lives before. Yeah, like precurse Henry, even if he didn't know someone, was just like, oh, hey, I'm Henry. Tell me everything about you. I'm instantly invested in you. Now he's just like a normal. He's a normal teenager well, who could no, not. Now give he's a, a normal shit. teenager. Yeah. He could not give a shit. Oh, yeah, he's he'd just be 13 like, now, right? A year uh-huh. mm-hmm. he's a teenager. So he's just like, yeah, cool. Cool, my mom's random friend. I don't care. I, I wonder <laughs> if like these are the episodes where he's like clueless, Henry. Where he's just like constantly playing a video game where where Jared like really got into like video games and now, you know, he's a Twitch streamer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's his gateway. It's his gateway. Mary Margaret gets back to her book below her and says cradle cap, lowly. You know, it goes away, a sweet female voice says behind her. Mary Margaret turns around to face a redheaded, none other than the cursed version of the Wicked Witch, who adds that cradle cap doesn't hurt the baby. It doesn't, Mary Margaret asks, looking more relieved. The woman says babies are stronger than she thinks. You're Snow White, aren't you? The pregnant woman answers that she's Mary Margaret here and presumes that this must be her first time in Storybrooke. The woman says that she missed the first curse, so everything in that world is still a bit new to her. Mary Margaret gives her a comforting smile and tells her not to worry, saying that she'll get used to it. She then asks who the redhead was back in their land. The woman says that she wasn't anyone Mary Margaret would remember, for not everyone was famous like she was. I don't know if I'd say famous, Snow laughs. The redhead points out that Snow was a princess, and most others were supporting players. Mary Margaret doesn't quite know how to react, but the woman standing up says it's okay. She loved who she was and what she did, revealing that she was a midwife. This interests Mary Margaret. The woman introduces herself as Lena, and says that she has seen a lot of new mothers, so she tells her not to worry, she'll learn. The name Zelina always makes me think of the 90s Sabrina the Teenage Witch. In the episode that guest stars the Violent Femmes, where Hilda and Zelda de-age into teenagers, and Sabrina names them Hillary and Zellery. Like, Zelina's name will never not make me think of Zellery. Every time I'm just like, it's Zellery. Yeah. 
you know, just as green and bland as celery. <laughs> it's also one of the best episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I love Witch. that episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It, I, I have guys, very, very vague memories of that. It's Libby. It's, come on, guys. We got to do, do it, it for Libby. For Libby. <laughs> I wrote that song about you before I even knew you existed. Mary Margaret suggests that she could give her some advice. Selena smiles and says it would be an honor. Mary Margaret tells her that once she has the baby, she might not let Selena leave her side. Selena asks if she may touch her pregnant belly, which, you know, gross, but <laughs> Mary Margaret allows it. I do like that she asked. I appreciate that she asks, but it's always been really, it's always been a thing that weirds me out. And I guess it's normal, but it's always really weirded me out that when someone's pregnant, people are always like, can I touch your belly? And it's like, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> leave, leave her alone. She's going through enough. Yeah, at least at least she asked though, because I know some people just like go for it. Oh no, it. some people just it's like it's like such a thing that perfect fucking strangers a... like go up to pregnant people and just put their fucking hands on them. It's goddamn wild to me because it's like just because this person is pregnant, it doesn't mean that you have a right to their body. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't know them, don't touch them. You're being weird. Yeah. But just ask before you put your mitts on someone period yeah it's weird and it's gross don't be weird weird this has been consent corner with lynn (laughs) (laughs) anyway mary margaret allows it for some goddamn reason she does so and shows enthusiasm in helping snow white with her baby saying she can't think of anything that would make her happier they smile at each other bad touch (laughs) emma is literally trying to track down someone new and sus and here's mary margaret just like hi new and sus person (laughs) mary margaret's just she's she's so desperate for baby help it's all scrambling her usually very clever brain and she's just i think she just wants someone to be nice to her and give her advice she woke up very 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 pregnant that's a lot to deal with but she has definitely let her guard down completely yeah Yeah. well pregnancy brain's apparently a thing it, it is, is a thing. It is, it is absolutely a thing. A thing. Every yeah. every friend I've had who's had a baby has told me pregnancy brain is a thing. So that's yeah. why I'm willing to give Mary Margaret a little bit of a pass. Oh absolutely. no, for sure. Oh no. From but those hormones are like doing sense. a number on her. And she didn't even have like a she doesn't remember the gradual lead in. She just Yeah, oh, she didn't ease into slam. it. She just woke up and was like, Well, I'm huge. This is cool. Well, I'm huge and I'm emotional. This is great. This is exactly how I want to start today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, David and the search party are looking for Little John in the Storybrook Woods. David finds bloodied leaves. The sheriff calls the rest of the crew over. Robin Hood deduces the victim was dragged. Robin points out the trail that leads to his old partner. They all rush to find Little John, injured in the shoulder, groaning with pain, but almost unconscious. Hook asks if he's alive, which is a stupid question because he was just groaning, to which Robin answers that he is, but barely. Robin tries to comfort John. Hook's never seen a bite like the one the man's received before. David hasn't either. Robin says they need to get John some help. I I truly don't believe that either of these men have ever seen Monkey, though. (laughs) I don't think think they have, because they're just like, what the hell? What the (laughs) hell? They're like, I've never seen a bite like that. Me either. And I'm like, well, yeah, you guys have probably never seen a fucking monkey. I feel like they kind of established that, because, like, Belle was like, yeah, no, I read about monkeys. And it's like, she only knows because she read about monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. Back in her castle, the queen tells Robin Hood to make himself useful and keep watch. The thief stands on one end of the room as Regina takes out a chest of magical items from her dresser. 
Robin asks about it, and she tells him it's nothing that concerns him. Suspicious, Robin points an arrow at the queen, asking again what it is, making it clear it's the last time he will ask. Regina is infuriated that he dares to threaten her in her castle and uses her magic to choke him from a distance. Regina is just like, you come into my house. You eat my cookies. They'd be fucking <laughs> stale by now. <laughs> yeah, they've just been sitting there for 20, years. What, not 29 years by this Yeah, <laughs> almost 30-year-old cookies. The mice have definitely gotten them. I mean, if they were Twinkies, it'd be fine. I guess time was frozen, right? So maybe only like a year or two. Maybe it's like a year old cookie. Still be terrible. Still don't don't eat eat a year. Everyone at home, please don't eat year old cookies. If your cookies are a year old, please throw them out. Robin explains that even if she chokes the life out of him, the arrow will still leave his bow and he never misses. He asks what manner of dark potion she is making. Regina, convinced, lets go of her hold over him and he gasps for air. She tells him she's making a sleeping curse. He asks if she means the kind she used on Snow White. Regina explains that the spell came from Maleficent, but she finally learned how to make one of her own. He deduces that the spell is why she wanted to come to the castle. Regina replies that those ingredients are hard to come by, especially when Snow White has been breathing down her neck every second of the day. He asks if that was her plan to use it on the witch. Regina brushes this off, claiming not to care about her. She finishes the potion as the thief asks who she plans to use it on, and she tells him, don't worry, no one you'll miss. She sits down her vanity and finishes with, no one anyone will miss. It's a lot, TBH. She takes out the pin from her hair and dips it in the potion. Robin asks if this is about her son. He walks close to her and says he can't let her do this. The queen tells him it's a good thing then that he doesn't have a say in the matter. With one wave of her hand, she glues his feet to the floor. He knows how she feels, which she doubts. He tells her, as she stands up, that when he lost his wife, he felt that there was no reason to go on. But then he found one, his son. Regina says that's where they differ. She already lost Henry. She's already lost the one thing she cares about. The man tells her that doesn't mean she won't find a new reason, for they all get a second chance. She just has to open her eyes to see it. It's too bad mine will be closed, the queen answers. Robin, worried for her, (laughs) asks... If that's it, if she just wants to give up. And she tells him, this isn't an end, it's an eternal middle. The curse can be broken, but only by the true love in her life, and the only reason she would even want to wake her son. He begs that she listen to him, deeming this to be a mistake. She tells him not to worry, that she'll keep her word and lower the protection spell so that Snow and Charming can be victorious. As she leaves, Regina adds, but then, then I go to sleep. So this... Scene wavers between just like dark, like, oh shit, okay. And theatrical to like the point of silly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I do appreciate that Lana is just always kind of able to knock it out of the park and kind of like keep up the balancing act. It's like, you know, she never wavers. Like she's not over the top. I mean, the lines are over the top, but she keeps them at a very like. To her credit, she manages to not deliver them half as theatrically as they could be. Yes. Yeah, she she owns she owns the scene. Yes. Like like this much. has some very dramatic writing, mm-hmm. but she she owns it. She, she you still you still believe her. You're still like, "Oh man, cuz poor Regina is just so good." It is but, a lot though. It's a lot. And like reading it back over on paper, like when you're not in the moment and you're not watching Lana, you're just like 
Oh, okay. Okay, buddy. Yeah, you're like, okay. Calm down, Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Pretty much. But when you're in the moment, you're just like, oh, oh, look at Regina. She's she's so sad. She's going through it, man. But reading it on paper, you're like, oh, oh boy. (laughs) I mean, a little watching it, it was still oh boy. (laughs) Like I said, this scene is um it's dramatic. It's a lot. It's it's very dramatic. It's a lot. I'm Chell, and I've been leaving my window open since I was 11 years old in the hopes I would be given the dark gift. You can find me blasting the bodacious soundtrack to The Lost Boys and laughing at memes taking a bite out of the Vampire Chronicles. I'm Tori, and I've been hoping to run into a vampire since I was 12. But like, one I can befriend, not one who will kill me. You can find me reading almost any book with a vampire in it and being angry about the final seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Vampires have ruined our lives. That's why we're making a podcast about it. Our podcast discusses vampire books, movies, TV shows, tropes, folklore, and more. If it's about the fanged undead, we want to talk about it. So tune in to Vampires Ruin My Life, available wherever you find podcasts. Over in Regina's magic lab. I love that sentence. (laughs) Welcome to Regina's magic lab. (laughs) Open Tuesday through Sunday. (laughs) Emma looks on with amazement as Regina plans to replicate the memory potion that the blonde took. As the mayor finishes the mixture, Emma asks if it worked, to which Regina says there's only one way to find out. She drinks some of it and smiles. Hopeful. Emma asks if she remembers. Regina, annoyed, throws the vial at the office wall, causing it to shatter. Emma acknowledges that it didn't work unless that wall did something to Regina in the past year. Regina thinks that she must have missed an ingredient. Emma asks if they can try again. The aggravated mayor explains that she already used up what was left of the potion that Hook gave her, and there's nothing left to replicate. Frustrated, Regina says that she can't live in that town if Henry doesn't remember her. Emma gets an idea of how to find the person who cursed them without making the memory potion. Emma declares that they have been running the wrong con and wishes to swap to an old bail bonds trick to smoke out the perp by making them think that you're onto them. Regina asks how that helps them, and Emma concludes that if the person who cast the curse thought they were about to make the potion, they'd want to stop us, Regina finishes her thought. Emma adds that they set a trap for them when they do. They need to get the word out that Regina is close to making all this work. Regina smiles and says she knows who to tell. Big news, everybody! Leroy (laughs) blurts out with wide eyes after he enters Granny's diner that night. God, I adore Leroy. He's the perfect town gossip. He is. This scene was so funny. Like, perfect comedic timing, both from Leroy and from the editor setting up those two scenes back to back. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's also a very good callback to an earlier episode where he comes running in yelling terrible news. Terrible news, yes. everybody. Terrible <laughs> news. news. Yes. And, and someone asks if something's wrong and he is all like, if it wasn't, why would I be in here yelling terrible, terrible news? news? <laughs> yes. So good. He's, he's fantastic and I love him. He closes the door and tells the entire clientele that Emma found Regina holed up in her office working on a potion. Archie asks what kind of potion. 
Mr. Clark, sitting on the counter between Walter and Happy, asks if the mayor will hurt them. Leroy answers that Regina wanted to use a memory potion to prove that she didn't cast the curse. Granny makes it clear that she wouldn't drink anything the queen handed her. And she says it in the most battle axe tone of voice, and I'm just like, shut up. (laughs) Sorry, I hate Granny. Anyway, moving on. Leroy says that somebody will, and if they remember, they'll know who did this to them. As the diner patrons discuss, Zelina grows concerned, stands up from her booth, and walks out. Ma'am, you didn't pay for that food. I mean, it's kind of dropping the bucket compared to all the other shit she's done. Yeah, but, you know. Dining and dashing, I feel like, is pretty low <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> on the list of offenses. I do love that at Granny's, for the dinner crowd, they put tablecloths at the tables. Like, to they swank get up the joint. They swank up the joint. <laughs> They're like, it's for dinner. Yeah, your table, madame. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't Selena eating breakfast? No, it's dinner. Oh, I mean, maybe they served breakfast all day. I can't remember what she was eating. I don't know. There's I honestly there. did not pay attention to what she was eating. Medical personnel cart Little John through the halls of Storybrook General Hospital, followed by the search party. The nurse informs Doctor Whale, apparently the only doctor in this fucking town, that the man's blood pressure is dropping fast. David tells Whale they don't know what did this to John. John convulses. The nurse says that he's going into shock. Whale asks the nurse for 15 milligrams of propofol to sedate him. Whale tries to inject little John, but the man screams out and a gray tail springs out from under his back, whipping Whale back. Robin intervenes as the tail knocks Friar Tuck and the nurse out, and then Robin. Hook shields himself with his arm, and another nurse is also thrown back. David ducks in time to avoid the tail. The group looks on in terror as Little John transforms into a winged monkey. David admits he didn't see that coming. The monkey shrieks and flies out a window. David asks what that thing was. Whale replies, don't look at me. I'm a doctor, not a vet. Man, I hate it here. I had completely forgot about this plot about flying monkey status being transmittable like lycanthropy. And it makes me very unhappy i do not like this one bit it's fucking awful it's mm-hmm. ugh, it's gross like hey once upon a time what the fuck <laughs> why no. did you do this <laughs> i just want to talk <laughs> anyway that night regina and emma are staking out the town hall it's take your wife to work night hey and hey. emma's yellow bug the mayor asks if that's what they do sit and wait Till the person who casts the curse makes a move on your office, Emma answers. Regina asks if this is really what she does for a living. Cheerfully, Emma answers that she does. It's called a stakeout. The mayor asks the sheriff if she doesn't get bored. Emma tells her one finds ways to pass the time, eat, talk, but mostly watch, which is what they should do. Emma takes a sip from her coffee cup. Regina asks her if Henry has friends in New York. Emma says he has a lot of friends, but no girlfriends yet, at least that she knows about. Regina asks if he's happy and whether his life is good, hoping for confirmation, but also dreading it. Emma comments that she almost didn't come back because of that. Regina asks why she did. Emma says Henry might not remember all this, but she does, and she knows what he would say. A hero would come back. Regina smiles, acknowledging that he would say that. Emma asks Regina if she's sure that she doesn't want to meet him. Emma suggests telling him that she's an old friend, like Mary Margaret and David. Regina shakes her head, saying it would be too hard. Gosh, this scene was great. Like, Jennifer and Lana are both really lovely in it, and I just feel like it's kind of the heart of the episode right here. Yeah, I agree. Before Emma can respond, she spots a figure moving in Regina's office. 
Emma says they got them. In the town hall, Emma asks if the mayor is sure that whatever is in there can't get out. Regina replies that she sealed the office with a blood lock, which can keep one out or keep them in. So she knows what she's doing. Regina works her magic on the door's keyhole. They enter the office, the mayor holding a flashlight, which she points at the lab set that has been destroyed, and Emma holding her gun. Emma spots the culprit and calls for Regina's attention. She yells at the person not to move. Regina tells them there's nowhere for them to go, but the hooded person is enveloped in a cloud of green mist, leaving the two women perplexed. Emma says she thought they couldn't do that. Regina claims that no one can break through blood magic, no matter how powerful they are. Then who are we dealing with, Emma wonders. Zoink, Scoob! A mystery! Spooky! Okay. Okay. Halloween episode! (laughs) Spooky season! Spooky Halloween! Spooky scary skeleton! Lord. (laughs) One year before, the queen, holding the pin that she dipped in her sleeping curse potion, walks towards the area of her castle from where the cloaking spell emanates. Regina ascends to the podium, holding up her hand against the magic rays, the green fire that burns, and puts it out. She smiles! Out in the enchanted forest, Grumpy, through binoculars, witnesses the protection spell falling and informs his troop. Charming tells everyone that they move on the castle at that moment, which they all prepare to do. Meanwhile, the queen sits on a bench alone and whispers, I'm sorry, Henry, maybe one day you'll find me and wake me up, but until then... She prepares to prick her finger with the hairpin, but a female voice interrupts her, asking if she wasn't even going to say hello first. The queen turns around to face the famed Wicked Witch of the West and all her green allure, adding that it's not the welcome she expected. She asks what a witch has got to do to get the queen's attention and materializes the pin from Regina's hand to her own. The witch asks Regina if life got her down. The queen stands up and tells her that it is none of her business. The witch gives her a look of entertainment and can tell that the queen doesn't know who she is. The queen says she knows exactly who she is, the wicked witch. The witch asks if that's all. The queen claims that she's not interested. Before Regina can take the pin back, the witch makes it disappear and says, you can call me Zelina. The queen notices the witch is wearing her dress. Zelina taunts her, says she had to take it in a little of the hips, but states it looks better on her. Oh, good. Snide size comments are back. Yeah, I expected better in an episode written by Jane Espenson. Yeah, yeah, and the hook comment too. Yeah, Yeah. no, there's there are a few lines where I'm like, Jane, what the? Just like, hey, Jane, you good? You want to talk? Also, Jane introduced this lycanthropy esque flying monkey situation. Jane, it might not be her that did that. That oh, that's true. Because that's like a that's like an overarching thing. Mm -hmm. I still hate it. Oh yeah, Jane, we want to talk. Yeah, we love you. We support you. Why did these things happen? (laughs) Yeah, Regina says Zelina should have never left Oz. Selena says that she can have her castle back. She was trying it on for size, and she's already seen everything worth seeing. Regina's closet, gardens, and crypt. The queen curiously asks how she broke the blood lock. Zelina says she didn't. Regina reminds her that the door was open and says that no one is that powerful. Cora really never told you, Zelina asks. Told me what, Regina asks, surprised to hear her mother's name. The truth about us, Regina. Regina demands to know what she's talking about and how the witch knows her mother. The same way you do, Zelina says, I'm your sister. 
well, half-sister. So often, I want to sit the writers of Once Upon a Time down and go, you really don't need to make everyone be related. It's fine. (sighs) Sure, why not? It's a soap opera, I guess. Yeah, I feel like it's a reach even for that, though. I mean, I guess there's lots of, like, secret siblings and soap operas. Yeah. Yeah, there are. There are, but but I'm just like, if we're gonna go in like in like true soap opera fashion they should then go like it should be very like off the rails you know and then this person came but this person was dead and then this you know what i mean just make it fucking ridiculous but i mean in my opinion it kind of is yeah we're gonna gonna get there it kind of is because then like they have like actual plot and heartwarming and characterization and you know what i'm saying like and Mm -hmm. so it's just like no 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 one direction or the other you can't be doing this pendulum swing i don't know it's like if you think about it too hard once upon a time gets downright incesty with how connected to everyone everyone else is and it just it doesn't need to be Mm -hmm. it's okay people could just know each other they don't need to be related right yeah i think i don't want to go too into it just because we're just at the beginning of this plot line but one of zelina's motivators which is not due to any blood relation situation I think could have been enough for the jealousy and wanting revenge on Regina and all that. That plot, I feel like, could have been enough. Right. Same. Everyone doesn't have to be related. That's what I have to say about it. Now we move on. Regina claims that that's impossible, but Selena goes on to say that Cora had her first before she wormed her way into the dregs of royalty. She reminds the queen that she broke into the crypt, so she must be telling the truth. She goes on to say that their mother gave her up and sent her away, but she kept and gave Regina everything. Everything she wanted, Regina corrects, adding that if what she is saying is true, then the witch was lucky to escape Cora. Selena tells her to stop at the martyr complex and consider growing up in Oz without a mother instead, and knowing no one thought she was good enough. Not Cora, and not the only man that both their paths had crossed, Rumpelstiltskin. The notion that the witch knew Rumpel entertains Regina, who correctly guesses that Selena is pissy pants that he chose Regina to cast his curse. Well, get over it, the queen says. It wasn't everything it was cracked up to be. The witch answers that anything would have been better than the life she had, but despite her shortcomings, she's made something of herself, and she didn't need Cora or Rumpelstiltskin in the end. Regina remarks, it's too bad they're not around to see how well she turned out, as they're both dead. The witch looks surprised and disappointed, but she chuckles it off, saying, that's all right, for Regina is the only one she needs alive, and she intends to take everything away from Regina. The queen tells her it's too late. She already lost everything that matters. The witch denies this, saying the queen hasn't lost anything yet. The queen theorizes that the witch would kill her, which the green woman again denies, deeming murder to be too easy. Or raiding like a Bond villain, the wicked witch says, for me to get what I want, I need you to suffer. You see, what's in store for me is all my dreams being realized. But for you, well, it's a fate worse than death. Regina rises, putting herself face to face with her sister, challenging her. Selena holds up her hand and summons her broomstick with a whooshing sound. She tells her younger sister that she'll see her soon and hops on the broomstick, tackling as she flies away. As she does, the queen looks on amused. The queen returns to the chamber where she left Robin Hood glued to the floor, who sees she didn't go through with her plan. Regina releases him with a flick of her wrist. Robin regains his mobility and grunts. Regina goes through her possessions and tells him he was right. The sleeping curse wasn't the answer. She just needed to find something to live for. Robin, delighted, asks what she found. Regina elatedly tells him it's the one thing she hasn't had in a very long time. 
someone to destroy. You know, pettiness keeps us all going, Regina. (laughs) This is my favorite Regina. On the side of Snow, Emma, and Charming, but totally horny for murder. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty much the best kind of Regina. I love her being like, I have something to live for again. I have someone to hate. I'm like, you do you, girl. (laughs) In the present day, Regina stops Emma outside of the loft, where Henry is staying, telling her that this isn't a good idea. Emma tells her to trust her, it's going to be fine, and opens the door to let them in. She finds Henry playing a video game on the couch and asks him how his day was. He stands up as Regina closes the door behind her and tells Emma that it was good. Emma then introduces Henry to Regina as the mayor of this town who wanted to meet him. Regina looks at the young man, not sure of how to act, and Henry asks his mother if something is wrong due to the mayor being there. Regina assures him that nothing is wrong as Mary Margaret looks down, feeling for Regina, who goes on to tell Henry that his mother told her a lot about him, including that he likes school and that he's good at English, something that comes off as awkward. Henry wonders why Emma would tell her this. Regina struggles to come up with a response, but says, because she couldn't be prouder of you. Emma smiles. Regina tells Henry that while he's in town, she could give him a tour sometime, show him around, and they can even stop for ice cream. Henry chuckles and tells her he'd like that and says it was nice meeting her. Henry 100% in this moment thinks that Regina is his mother's ex. And I love that. Oh, absolutely. Were you in the cabbage patch with my mom? Are you my dad? Is this a reference? No. Oh, me. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, what is that from? I just like, I remembered like the Adams family values, like, and then the dad, the angel diamond into the carriage patch and then the diamond turned into the baby. (laughs) Yeah. Henry definitely thinks that there was something going on with that. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause he's just kind of like, Hey mom. So uh, who is there? (laughs) Yeah. He's got like shifty eyes. Like, Uh "Mm, why did you need me to meet this person? Is this the real reason why you said no to Walsh? Is this going to be my new step parent? He absolutely thinks that. I can adapt, but you got to let a kid know. (laughs) It's cool, mom. I'm very progressive. (laughs) Regina smiles and moves in for a hug. But Henry instinctively reaches out his hand to shake hers, which stops her cold in her tracks. She takes off her glove and gives him the handshake. Ouch. Yeah. He then moves away back to his video game. Emma asks her how that was and whether she's doing okay. And Regina says it was a start. David and Hook soon barge in with the former telling his daughter that they need to talk. Emma looks back at Henry and tells him, outside. The adults gather in the corridor outside the loft. Mary Margaret is shocked at the notion that the missing people are turning into flying monkeys, which explains why they haven't found any trace of the missing dwarfs. David says there's no sign of Neil either, so it's possible. Emma comments that it wouldn't be the first flying monkey she's dated, which surprises her mother. This is the second time they used this line, and I think it was only appropriate in this circumstance and delivery. Yeah. Regina recaps that the person who escaped their trap disappeared in a cloud of green smoke, and now there are flying monkeys in the town, which pinpoints the culprit. Emma sarcastically asks if it was the Wicked Witch of the West, and is shocked when Regina gives her a confirming look. Emma is surprised that the witch is real too, to which Hook wryly responds, says the daughter of Snow White and Prince Charming. Emma is so cute in the way she says, seriously? She's real too? Yeah, I genuinely laughed at the delivery. It was very good. It was so cute. 
Emma is further confused because they are not in Kansas, so she wonders why the Wicked Witch of the West would want to come to Storybrook. Elsewhere, on the outskirts of Storybrook, Selena carries a tray with food and water toward her storm cellar, which reads more like a 1950s bomb shelter because it's so far away from the house itself. Fun fact, the farmhouse used for filming is the same house used in Tin Man, where Dorothy lives with her aunt and uncle in Kansas. And it really does stick out like a sore thumb in Storybrook. I guiltily kind of liked Tin Man. It wasn't good, but I liked it. What was yeah. Tin Man? Tin Man was a made-for-sci-fi original miniseries. Was that the one with Zoe Deschanel? Yep. Oh, I remember that. They also had an Alice in Wonderland one that they'd made a few years prior to that that I liked. Yeah, that had that cutie in it. Yeah, it had the cute Mad Hatter and it actually mm-hmm. Alice and Hatter ended up together, which is something I'm always stupid for, so. Mm. Oh, wait, I liked Tin Man. I had Alan Cummings. I forgot all about this. It wasn't like amazing, but it was fun TV. I liked it. Yeah, it was I like for, for a made-for-sci-fi miniseries, it was enjoyable. Wasn't it? Isn't it? Um, isn't Tin Man a, um, a graphic novel? It might have been. Pretty sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. I only saw the miniseries. It kind of felt like it could be a graphic novel to me, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was a fun show. And I liked the Alice yeah. one, too. The, the Alice and the Mad Hatter were really cute in that show. They were very cute. I had live journal icons of them. Aww. <laughs> Not dating myself or anything with that comment. <laughs> She opens the door with magic and walks down the steps and towards a cage. She asks if her captive is hungry and puts down the tray on the floor when the prisoner grabs her arm. A scruffy, crazed-looking Mr. Gold hisses that she never should have brought him back. Selena chuckles amusedly and stands up, kicking the tray under the cage door, splattering the water from its bowl. She tells him to eat up, for they've got work to do, and walks away. Gold grabs the bowl of rice and plays with it in his hands, chanting repeatedly, you feed the madness and it feeds on you. He then giggles maniacally and shoves a handful of rice into his mouth. And he fits his whole hand in his mouth. <laughs> was it was it rice or was it oatmeal? I don't know. Either way, it was really upsetting. I don't know. <laughs> either, way, he fits, either way, he fit his whole hand in his mouth. He put a whole ham in his mouth. Yeah, that's, um, that's where this tremendous episode ends. it's a real touchstone of an episode i I mean it wasn't world changing but i i did think it was pretty fun i had fun watching it i especially liked the mystery plot line in the present day story brick i think it was really fun to see some of the locations and some of the characters we haven't seen in quite some time i do really hate the concept of flying monkey status spreading via wounds really don't love that but besides that plot, I, I enjoyed it. It was really interesting to see everyone navigate around a Henry who doesn't know them. And I loved the Emma and Regina team up so much. Those two are just incredible together. I love them. Uh, they were on fire this episode, basically. There were some really good emotional moments as well. My favorite part of the flashback itself was honestly just Regina being like, I finally have something to live for again. I have someone to destroy. Like, that, that was great. Bless her. But I thoroughly enjoyed the story break plot for this one. This episode had too many monkeys. <laughs> but I mean, I'll give them that they at least seem to sort out the issue with Selena's green makeup bleeding into the green screen. So I'll give them that. I didn't, I didn't really feel one way or another about this episode. It was, it was fine. I thought David had some cute big dad energy reactions, but... Oh, that I was just kind of like, eh. 
I like the story Brooke scenes better. I think mostly because of Emma being back on the case and having really cute moments with David and horny moments with Regina. (laughs) I also think the flying monkey, I think that flying monkey anything is just like steps away from eldritch horror. So the fact that they can spread their disgusting monkeyness is nasty. The nasty. It's nasty. It is nasty. But, you know, like Elisa, my favorite part of this whole episode is that Regina having hate and murder to live for. <laughs> it's it's nice to have goals and, yeah. and a drive, you know. I mean, I'll say it again. Pettiness keeps us all going. Yeah, I think that should be the moral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Should we talk about costumes? Yeah. Um, the only one of note for me was, and we only see a glimpse of it, but from what I saw Belle's outfit, I really liked it. Is it in her colors? No, not at all. But I loved it anyway. It was cute. Uh, yeah. yeah. I loved Zelina's shoes in the last scene of this episode. They're like a deep red and very witchy. And I wish I owned them. I really liked them. In the Is that where she confronts Regina? Uh, the Rumpelstiltskin scene at the end. Oh, okay. Story, Storybrook. In the Storybrook, yeah. Okay. They're very cute shoes. I have to go back and look. I feel like you used to have shoes like that. I did. I had shoes like that, but in black, not in this like deep red that she has, Um, which I also thought was like kind of a nice, like Aussie touch. Yeah. Yeah. And then Robin's present day neckerchief situation is such a time capsule of 2014 men's fashion. Mm -hmm. I kind of enjoyed, enjoyed that. I was all like, oh man, that was, that was a thing. That was such a thing. I think I was too distracted by the monkeys to know most too much about the costumes, but I thought Snow White's little maternity fantasy coat was very sweet. It was. It was really I sweet. know we've seen it before, but I just think she looks very sweet in it. She did. We got a lot more shots of Belle's new Enchanted Forest outfit that like premiered last episode. Oh my god. It's lo- beautiful. Literally my favorite outfit. Beautiful. It's very pretty. Again, is it in her colors? Absolutely not, but it is gorgeous. That you're talking about the purple, right? Yeah, the purple. I oh. feel like that's at least more co- her color adjacent than when they slapped Snow White in purple, because at least like right. At least it's like, well, blues and reds are things that are in Belle's colors. So purple kind of doesn't seem too far off. Right. Yeah, that dress is beautiful. And the cape is so Howl's mm. Moving Castle. Mm-hmm. It's just a gorgeous outfit. I don't really remember it, like noticing it much first time around. So this time I was just like, damn. No, I've, I've been, I've been Eduardo waiting did good. three seasons for this outfit. Eduardo to did good. That was a beautiful costume. It's time to play Who's That Guest Star? In season three, episode 13, we have... Rafael Alejandro as Roland. Rafael Alejandro was born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. In addition to his role on Once Upon a Time, Roland's credits include Kindergarten Cop 2. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, who knew? Olympus, Badge of Honor, Bunked, and Acapulco. He's only 50. Like, he's currently, like, 15 years old. I mean, he's he was cool. quite young when this <laughs> when this came out. Yeah, that kid is itty bitty. Yeah. He's been getting more and more like good roles. Like Acapulco, I think is a mini series or something or a full on series. I don't know, but he's got a regular recurring role in that. And I know he does some voice work too with like cartoons. So that's pretty cool. All right. It's time to 
take a trip into the swirling green vortex of once upon a timeline i don't know jesus uh, christ <laughs> so the flashbacks of this episode actually follow directly after the ones we've seen in our last episode season three episode 12 new york city serenade and then the scene we've seen that takes place most immediately after it is Killian showing up on Emma's doorstep at the end of season three, episode 11, going home. So these flashbacks have been pretty sequential for the last few episodes. All right. So we have a voice message. Ooh, yay. Okay. So, yeah. Let's go ahead and listen to a message from Wolf Sin. Hello. I like your podcast and you're my favorite once upon a time podcast and who is your favorite non-canon couple and who is your favorite character and who is your favorite villain so the first question was who is each of our favorite non-canon couple i mean it should have been canon i'm going with sleeping warrior yeah (laughs) really yeah aurora milan is way up there I'm going to be a real dirtbag and say Mad Gold is like one of like the secret couples that I'm super horny for. So is that Hatterrumpelstiltskin? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was just trying to figure out. I was like Mad Gold. Yeah. Or even just like Mad Rumbell because who doesn't love a thruple? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> We're not there yet, but I also have a, a secondary Mulan ship, which I think Mulan and Merida were really cute together. Oh, they were cute. They were super cute together. So definitely a lot of love for Mulan and Merida as well. I feel like every woman that yeah, I was just is in say, a room that Mulan, that Mulan, Mulan interacts into. with is is pretty much my favorite couple of that episode. <laughs> every woman who meets Mulan falls in love with Mulan. That's just same. the way it works. And same because with how Belle, could you not? With like every woman pretty much too. Like yeah. her with Ariel. Her oh, with, Belle gets a crush on every girl she meets. It's fantastic. Yeah, she's, I... she's, she's the Usagi of like this series, like where she's just like horny for everybody. I loved, I loved Belle and Ruby. I thought they were so cute. They Belle were and Ruby, cute. Belle and Ariel. Super cute. Their little like detective agency, Belle and Mulan. We'll just be predictable bitches and with our favorite characters. <laughs> yeah. I was like, cause mine's Snow White. I'm basic. Mine, you know, I was, I was, I had a lot of favorite characters. I think when we first did this question in episode zero, but during this rewatch, I, I have solidified it. Maybe it's basic, but I'm an Emma Swan girl. Emma Swan all the way. She's my number one. My yeah. Number one you girl. know, the, the rewatch has been really throwing me for a loop, right? Because I do love Rumpelstiltskin, and I'm going to pick him for my favorite villain. And generally speaking, I do love him, but goddamn, I do love Emma, you know? In a way that's fantastic. In a way that, like, really surprises me, because I remember really not liking her, like, the very first time I watched. Really? Yeah, I don't know. Don't don't fucking ask me. I I don't know. It's like 10 years ago, so, you know? (laughs) It's just like, 10 years ago, me was just not into it, you know? Like, the way that now me is i'm older and wiser um <laughs> so yeah i i'd have to say neck and neck rumple and emma like i i love them kind of both equally and i love it when they're like playing for the same team and they're like actually like allies and stuff like that to me is just always like oh this is the ultimate bro ship how about villains 
No, Rumpel. Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Second that as well. He's he's definitely my fave. He's awesome. so good. Robbie K is so fucking good. I can't Robbie K good. just fucking killed it, man. Yeah, miss you, Robbie K. You're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cute side story at the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party. Lynn and me were Peter and Wendy uh, a la Disney um, and took a cute picture. And then someone who is making a fan book for Robbie K asked to put the picture in the fan book. No way. So, yeah, it was very sweet. Was very oh, sweet. shout out to the Robbie K stan. Hell yeah. Yeah. So super, super cute. Um, I hope the gift makes it to to Robbie K and that he appreciates it. I, and I love that there's people out there who, you know, do such sweet, supportive things like that. So yeah, that's adorable. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I love that he still gets a lot of love. Me too. She was given more, more roles. I know. He's so good. He's so good. What the fuck is wrong with like casting directors? Ugh, sorry. I'm just, I'm going to be forever very salty about like this very, very talented actor, like just not getting the recognition he deserves. Thank you so much for the voice call, Wolfson. I'm so happy you are enjoying the podcast and it makes us so happy to hear how much how much you love it. And and it was great answering your questions. So thank you so much. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. All right. It's time for some rants and raves. Holy shit, we're back. <laughs> so we're back. If our listeners did not know already, uh, we recorded episode 12 before our mid-season hiatus. In that time which has been quite some time. <laughs> yeah, over a month. Over a month, yeah. yeah. Uh, I finished the Magnus Archives, which was absolutely life-shattering. It was so fucking good. Thank you so much, Lynn, for not recommending it, but for being uh, <laughs> but for being my uh, my gentle guide for when I decided to ignore your, uh, your warning, your due warning, which I appreciate. I do what I can, friend. Thank you, because, oh, man. It was so good. And I listened to all the supplemental stuff, all their um, RPG things, you know, like that they did, like when they would play games, like whenever they were on hiatus or whatever, it was so fucking good. And now I'm just like, I wanted to like dive into another Rusty Quill production because of it, you know? It's so fucking good. Out of out of 200 episodes of the Magnus Archives, which in a nutshell de- deals with fear, there were only three episodes four episodes which actually squicked me out the one is the pig one monster pig Pig is nasty i could still listen to it the cave one is like the cave one with the sisters in the cave that episode is to magnus archives what blink is to doctor who like if you needed to without context convince somebody to listen to this podcast that is the episode that you have them listen to that is like top tier five gold stars like it actually scared me i was like oh god that's fucking creepy i told you it was creepy yeah well most of the episodes i didn't find creepy or i didn't find creepy in the way that like i was actually like uh, had a lingering scare afterward you know it was like creepy in a fun way anything that had to deal with like clowns and marionettes and circuses and stuff i was like Wee! <laughs> like that okay made, but i hate that shit but that made me so happy i was like yay <laughs> i would be an absolute avatar for them <laughs> so, christ yeah you fucking would i would in a heartbeat but the the two that like i it was both of them i believe were in season five one was like about like a worm 
somebody who turned into a worm and stuff i, I was like mm, i don't want i don't like that so it's, so it's a filth <laughs> horror it's just yeah like, i know which one you're talking about and then the one that i actually had to skip was i think the episode right after that which dealt with the medical horror yes the hospital and stuff yeah 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 i could i can't do that because like i've had a lot of surgeries and things like that and it's just it's too it's too much for me i love the woman who did the the voice of like the nurse who was giving them the tour and stuff Mm -hmm. like her voice was amazing um so i tried to listen as as much as i could but then sounds started happening the soundscaping of that show is unreal it's on a different level but yeah big 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 fan thank you so much lynn cannot thank you enough I also watched A League of Their Own when I was at your place uh, watching kitties and it was fucking baller. And yes, that was a pun just for Ariana. (laughs) (laughs) And we're knee deep in spooky season. And today I got to watch Little Shop of Horrors. And I finally saw the original ending, which was awesome. (laughs) Oh, and I watched a terrible Rankin-Bass film called Mad Monster Party. And it actually is called Mad Monster Party. You know, question mark. It's horrible. (laughs) I think I've seen that. But, but like the claymation is good. It's like Phyllis Diller plays like the wife of Frankenstein and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw that as a kid. It was probably fucking weird. It's fucking weird. It's it's 40 minutes too long. Yeah. <laughs> it's just terrible. Um, but I'm glad I watched it. Anyway, on with you guys. We had a lot of big things happen that were really exciting, but I feel like I have to make my absolute number one that we went to see My Chemical Romance, which is my favorite band ever. And I cried like an idiot for most of the show. And basically, I can die now. <laughs> Don't die, Lynn. I've accomplished everything I needed to in life. So no. I will be ascending. <laughs> you you, saw my next you got form. married. No. Dom Duck was at your wedding. Yep. And you saw My Chemical Romance. Yep. Don't leave me. I must become a butterfly now. I am I'm afraid I must go goodbye. No. <laughs> we will take very good care of Salem. Oh no, I gotta stay. Yeah. Stay for Salem. Yes. I gotta. He's he's in fact on my feet right now. Our three no. beautiful children. Baby. So much happened in the last month. It has been so busy. But my highlight was probably Lynn and Mine's trip to Disney World. Disney World. We, we had lots of Halloween adventures at Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. And I pulled the sword from the stone. You Yay! did. It was amazing. <laughs> it she was thought a- she broke it. it was, yeah. It really did. But it was so good. So thank you, whatever cast member made that magic happen. It was a childhood dream come true. That was awesome. And right before that trip, we went to D23 and randomly got to meet both Bob Gurr and Tony Baxter, who are like imagineering royalty. They're geniuses. So that was so cool. And we also got to briefly meet one of our favorite YouTubers, Disney Dan at Oogie Boogie Bash. And he was so kind. Lots of Disney fall magic that happened, which was very fun. But yeah, it's been it's been nonstop, nonstop, but a lot of fun. Um, and we also just this this past weekend got to hang out all together. Three of us also with our friend Ariana for her birthday. So that was her, so much fun. Her pirate, her Muppet pirate birthday. Her Muppet mm-hmm. pirate birthday. Yeah. I grilled shrimp and veggies. You did. It was and, delicious. Oh, thank you. And well, Ariana made the marinade, um, and which was amazing. It was so good. And she made us all really amazing uh, tropical cocktails. Mm-hmm. And we watched Muppet mm-hmm. Treasure Island. It was a great time. It was. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch. 
While Emma, David, Regina, and Hook continue their search for the Wicked Witch, Selina is planning a dark surprise for David, and her prisoner is powerless under her watch. Meanwhile, in the fairy tale land that was in the previous year, Prince Charming stumbles upon Rapunzel, who is trapped inside a tower and must help her confront her fears in order for her to be free. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is pettiness keeps us all going. Talk fairy tales with us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Tweet us at once upon rewatch. Participate in episodic polls on Instagram at once upon rewatch. Follow us at once upon a rewatch.tumblr.com. If you enjoy once upon a rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple podcasts or on your platform of choice. The artwork for a podcast was by Lychee Ruru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Regina recaps that the person who escaped their trap disappeared in a clown of green. Clown. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very tired. I was like, did I write clown? No, no, it just got very music and lyrics over here. It's very, I was living with a clown over my head.